Hello, I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, October 28th, 2022. Election Day is quickly approaching on Tuesday, November the 8th. So tonight we have an excellent panel lined up to sort through some of the races and the issues facing Coloradans. I am joined by Patricia Calhoun, the founder and editor of Westward, David Kobel, law professor and research director at the Independence Institute, and also Scott Martinez, an attorney who focuses on business and government law at Martinez and & Partners, and Sean Walsh, a consultant and campaign strategist with his company, Sean Walsh Consulting. Well, thank you all for coming. I appreciate it. Election day, almost here. This midseason, there's a big question. Will there be a Republican way throughout the United States and in Colorado? November the 8th, Republican candidate Heidi Ganahl is hoping to be elected to the state's top office, beating incumbent Democratic Governor Jared Polis. Patty, does the Ganahl campaign have enough time and have the right messaging to pull off an upset? And do they have enough money? Because even though Heidi Ganahl is a successful businesswoman, she's not as successful as Jared Polis was, I, the red wave is not going to wash her, up her, wash her up into the governor's office. She's going to be presentable in her numbers, but I still think Jared Polis is a very hard person to beat. He's done very well or better than most people would during the pandemic. The state is looking okay. It's certainly looking more reasonable than many other divided states around the country. I just don't think Heidi's message is ringing with a lot of Coloradans. The mad mom, you know, we don't need a mad mom. We don't probably need a happy dad either. We do not need parents. We need people who can really run this state. Okay. You mentioned the word divided. David, if the top ticket goes one way in Colorado, could everything fall in that order? We have had split tickets in the past. Yes. We've also had national landslides like with Obama in uh, 2012 or uh, Johnson in, in 64, Reagan in, in 84 that have really huge down ticket effects, but probably not, not this year uh, either way. In a lot of ways, Jared Polis is like Ronald Reagan, and Heidi Ganahl is like Pat Schroeder, who was Denver's Democratic Congresswoman from 1972 to, to 96. When, when Reagan took office in 81, the Schroeder staff began compiling a list of all what they said was the you know corruption and malfeasance in, in the Reagan administration. And of course, this was before the internet. So when the national media you know wanted the list, wanted all the details, Schroeder's office was, was the go-to place for this. But despite all that work Schroeder did in trying to get the word out and what she thought was wrong with Reagan, uh, it ultimately had very little effect on his popularity. And so ultimately, she and her chief of staff, Dan Buck, called Reagan the Teflon president because nothing sticks to him. You know, you'd have to go back to the Great Depression when Billy Adams was governor to find a gubernatorial term where the quality of life in Colorado has declined so precipitously in one gubernatorial term. But as Patty says, Polis looks like he's on his way uh, to re-election, um, which shows that like, like Reagan, I guess, he's just got the, the right personality that appeals to the voters. Scott, to follow up on what he was saying, Coloradans have the habit of retaining our governors, but we don't always keep our senators. I read five times in the last 50 years we've kicked out uh, senators. So two years ago, John Hickenlooper replaced Cory Gardner. The polling says that Senator Bennett could very well win re-election, but Joe O'Day gets a lot of talk, and especially nationally. Is this a done deal, or is this going to be close? Uh, 
Well, I think that you're right that there is a lot of attention that's going on the, on this U.S. Senate race, and there should be. Uh, we're talking about some of the most important issues of the day that are happening in the Senate, not to mention that the senators are confirming potential U.S. Supreme Court nominees, and so there should be a lot of attention on this important body. That being said, I think you see that the national folks are looking to uh, Colorado and saying, Bennett is going to win. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is that uh, the national Senate Republicans are pulling down their ad buys. They're, they are not investing as much. The super PACs have moved on to a couple of other states. And so while they have invested a lot of money here, they're, they're placing their bets in other states other than Colorado because Colorado has changed a lot in the last 20 years that you're talking about where these senators have flipped over. This isn't uh, Mark Udall um, you know, uh, eight years ago. Uh, we have changed to where we are pretty much a blue state, and there's so much to overcome, and it's just not going to happen this year. Sean, do you agree with that? Yes, Scott's right, Patty's <laughs> right. I mean, this is a blue state, um, a solidly blue state. I mean, the hopes of turning it even uh, lilac or purple or violet or some shade, uh, I think, are, are going to be dashed, unfortunately. It's going to be a, a swing and a miss. You know, in, in 2018, of course, is when the the blue wave that, uh, that brought some Democrats uh, into office in the treasurer's office, in the secretary of state's office, and, in, and for attorney general, as well as in the counties. You know, had a lot of Republican county sheriffs, a lot of Republican county clerks and commissioners that were washed away with the blue wave. So the hope for Republicans this year, I think, are going to fall a little bit short. For unaffiliated, Republican brand right now, I think, is it just a bit too Trumpy. Uh, it's unfortunate because we've got some really good candidates in Lang Sias and in John Kellner and in Pam Anderson, but um, I just think that it, Joe O'Day uh, being the standard bearer that kind of uh, kind of corrects a little bit of that, I just don't think it's this cycle. Okay. When it comes to our statewide ballot measures, there are 11. One of them is attempting to tackle the growing cost of housing in Colorado. Homebuyer.com reports that Colorado is the fifth most expensive state to buy a house in 2022. So uh, this election, we are deciding on whether to create a permanent statewide fund for affordable housing. David, this is Proposition 123. Suppose somebody comes into your house, steals all the food from your refrigerator, goes to your neighborhood grocery store, burns it down, and then says, I got a deal for you. If you raise your taxes and give me money to open a restaurant, then you can have some food. That's what the affordable housing situation is. Expense is supply versus demand. We've got high demand because everybody want, a lot of people want to move to Colorado, but we have the government artificially constricting the supply in so many ways, with zoning laws that restrict housing development, with excessive regulations that prevent them from being built or make them too expensive, you know, these new supposed eco things that are going to add $100,000 in cost to the house, by, including by saying you can't even heat your home with natural gas. All those, uh, and then they say the substitute is for government to build the housing, and government-built housing costs way more per square foot than, than housing done by independent contractors. And even if you win the lottery and get one of these government-controlled houses subsidized by everybody else, you're not allowed to sell it for a significant profit a, a generation later, so people have no incentive to maintain and improve the affordable housing uh, that they got given. And so then, of course, the for affordable housing stock is going to deteriorate. The Denver proposal, which would 
will make, make things even worse in the city of Denver. That would say if you're like a, an elderly lady who rents out four apartment units and you have a deadbeat tenant who won't pay and you want to evict the deadbeat, you've got to pay the deadbeat's lawyer. So of course that's going to lead people to just withdraw rental property from the housing market and make the affordable housing problem even worse. Scott, the idea with Prop 123 is that lawmakers would take a part of the budget every year and carve out this money to create uh, affordable housing. Well, when you're asking about affordable housing, I think if you look at any poll across the state, it is one of the top issues, one, two, or three. And so it's obviously really important. The question is, should we be solving these important issues by ballot initiative? Or is this something that the legislature, even though they're taking this chunk um, ha over year over year, should the legislature be the one that's really deciding what our budgetary priorities are? So I look at this ballot initiative and say, yeah, it's the, probably the right thing to do in terms of trying to address affordable housing, but it's the wrong way to do it. That we shouldn't be putting this on our ballot every year. We should be allowing our representatives to make the budgetary decisions on on uh, giving money to affordable housing or the fire department or to schools. We have lots of different options and I really think that we should be doubling down on our representative democracy. I have one other thought and that is on election night. What I will be looking for in addition to the results on 123 and affordable housing is the over a dozen affordable housing initiatives that are happening at the local level. And what does it mean when um, one passes and another doesn't at the state level or the local level, and how are voters feeling about this issue and how are voters feeling about taxes? I can't wait to see the results. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting. Chafee County, you know, uh, Colorado Springs, Eagle County, there are so many places in the mountain communities that are really having a hard time finding people who work there to be able to live there. Yes, well, Scott is exactly right. I think affordable housing is um, among several issues in this election cycle, among the most top of mind issues. But I think the coalition for 123, which includes the National Association of Realtors and Habitat for Humanity, I think they've done a good job of getting the right people in the room. However, I think it's going to get squeezed from the left and from the right. On the right, uh, you've got conservative voters who are very jealous of their Tabor refunds. We just got $750. It came in a check. It came in the mail. Uh, for some voters that are very discerning about what their future Tabor refund might go toward. And then on the left, Proposition 123 doesn't go far enough. Uh, mm -hmm. I read an article, uh, actually it was the House editorial in the Aurora Sentinel that said that, you know, government cash is going to inflate rents. Government cash is going right into the pockets, pockets of landlords. So I see it, I see it failing on November 8th. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Patty? Well, I see it very differently from the Denver eviction law, but I won't get into that, that proposal. My reporter wrote a piece on this this week, and his lead was, this is so simple. When, and I go, there is nothing simple about this. It's unbelievably complicated to start thinking about. It's 0.1% of 1%, I think, of the state income tax that would be collected, so it's not an additional tax technically. But then who is going to administer these grant programs? I do like it that some of the money will go to local municipalities because that's where it has to be solved. You have to have local municipalities at the very least start permitting things a little faster, still be efficient, still put in controls, but I've heard nothing but nightmares about people mm -hmm. who are trying to do building and housing projects in Denver. 
But that's not something you can legislate at the state level. That's something you have to work out at the municipal level. So I just see us starting a whole new state bureaucracy, good intentions, but will there be good results? Oh, gosh. It'll be interesting to see how this one turns out. Um, Scott, there is a lot of talk about alcohol this election season, too, here in Colorado. Let's kind of sort through them because all the ads are on right now, and it's all very confusing what is what. Proposition 125, allow grocery stores and convenience stores to sell wine. We kind of just went through this a couple years ago with the beer. Yeah, so we are talking about alcohol again uh, because there was not a grand compromise that happened at the legislature this year. There were something like 30 bills on the issue of alcohol and underneath the dome. And then when it came to ballot initiatives, there was something, I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating here, like 99 different uh, potential ballot initiatives uh, the overwhelming majority were on alcohol issues. And so when uh, when we're looking at trying to decide whether we have liquor and uh, wine inside grocery stores, uh, again, it's sort of unbelievable to me that we are going back to the voters to have them decide this issue when we have a representative democracy. And I'm not trying to, to uh, to beat a dead horse here, but this is um, the type of issue, these these issues about who gets to sell what, um, what's good for our society, um, that I think that we should be letting our legislators balance for us. And it's a shame that they weren't able to, to come to another compromise like they did a few years ago underneath the Capitol Dome. Um, that being said, wine's probably going to be in your grocery store uh, in a few months from now. Because it's all about convenience. That's the way it's being marketed to all of us. It'll be so much easier for us to drink whenever we want. Um, Sean, 126 would allow third-party drivers to deliver to our house beer and wine and whatever we want. Well, and third-party drivers who are not employees of the establishment that's delivering it, which I think is going to make it it's better for, they say, call, call them gig workers. Um, I, I think that the opponents to 126 are, gonna, are going to fail. I think 126 passed. I think all three of them passed, in fact. I think there's, this is only going in one direction. I think convenience, consumer price, I think went out uh, in, in, in the kind of the liquor wars. It's kind of funny to see how small corporations are bashing big corporations over corporate this and corporate that, where uh, a lot of the players involved are all uh, some kind of, some form of, of corporate interest. Um, so I, I, I see all three of these passing. There's no revenue implications. It's not a tax. It's going to make uh, prices for alcohol less expensive and more convenient, and that's what we've become accustomed to here. Mm, we are getting really spoiled, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, Proposition 124, Patty, does call for bigger and more uh, liquor stores could have more um, you know, stores throughout the, the state. Well, it's a shame that people are grouping these all together and just getting confused. You know, it's yeah. like a mixed cocktail. Yeah. When, in fact, 126 is great for restaurants and because they were trying to do this themselves during the pandemic. Remember, early on, they got to do liquor, which was great, but they don't have drivers. They can't get staff anyway. So if you can have third-party mm. people, that will help restaurants and be convenient for other people. Uh, as we saw with 120, when beer was allowed in restaurants, I mean, in uh, grocery stores, mm -hmm. it did not ruin the craft beer industry, which was one of the concerns, and that's convenient. So I see that going through for wine. I wish people understood that 124 is really um, not a problem in Colorado, and it's just being pushed by one out-of-state corporation. And I think if we want to save local stores, that's the one that should go down. 124. 124. Okay, David, any thoughts on the alcohol, or should we talk about uh, Proposition 122? 
Well, that, that's the, uh, to re-legalize uh, <clears throat> natural psychedelic mushrooms, mm -hmm. especially for, for medical uses. And there is overwhelming evidence from decades of research in, in Europe and elsewhere that these help people uh, quite, sometimes quite rapidly overcome long-standing psychological problems like post-traumatic post stress or anxiety. So I, I hope that one passes. Um, the, the opponents of 126, the, the restaurant delivery thing, say, well, you know, if you have it delivered by Grubhub, their drivers might not be as vigilant as other people in, you know, making sure that uh, somebody, that there's no alcohol delivered to somebody under 21. In, in my view, the benefit to restaurants far outweighs, you know, the, the risk that a 20-year-old is going to obtain an $18 martini. Um, on the, the other two, like 124 and 125, the effect is going to be to drive the, the small mom-and-pop liquor stores, which are technically organized as a corporation, but they're very small businesses. They'll get driven out of business by the big national chains. Mm. Mm. Okay. For those of you filling out your ballot this weekend at home, you have until this Monday, the 31st, to put the envelope back in the mail so it gets there and gets counted on November the 8th. There are also 400 ballot drop boxes across our state where you can drop your ballot off, and early voting is taking place at 360 locations. So we have a big weekend ahead of us. Panelists, what else do you all think our, our voters, our listeners, should keep in mind when they're filling out that ballot? I'll start with you. Well, I'd like to focus on a, a local issue in Littleton. Uh, Littleton right now does not charge uh, pe people staying in hotels or in short-term rentals a lodger's tax. Littleton is one of the few metro communities with hotels but no lodger's tax. So issue 3B on the ballot in Littleton will provide $1 million for arts and culture funding. A big chunk of that is going to go to the Independent Library, the Independent Museum, and the Talhorn Arts Center. But uh, a good portion is also going in the form of grants to local arts organizations and artists in Littleton. So a million dollars in a city of 45,000 people uh, is substantial. And I think in the future, Littleton is going to be uh, a, a focus of arts and culture, dance, theater, and music outside of, outside of Denver. I didn't know that. And there are a lot of those kinds of initiatives, but they're going to pay for affordable housing, I think, up in the high country, like in Steamboat, right? Yeah. It's somewhere. rare that a lodging tax would go toward yes, arts. Yes, arts. Funding. Okay. All right. Patty? Well, I want to remind people, especially those who saw 60 Minutes on Sunday night, of the very real threats that have gone to Dominion voting systems, which you know is their equipment is in 28 of the states around the country. There have been there's been no proof that there was any rigging of the election through Dominion voting back in 2020. But those employees face very real threats, and the threats have trickled down to people working in different county clerks' offices. You're hearing it across Colorado, which is still considered the gold standard for fair yeah. and accurate elections. So. Everyone, please be nice to their poll to their poll operators. And if you have to walk around poll protesters, uh, just behave yourselves. It's it's really important that we vote and that we accept that the vote is going to be accurate. And I think well, a majority of our poll 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 um, uh, volunteers are seniors who are volunteering to their time. I just talked to someone who went to volunteer and they had to watch a whole like security video for oh. the first ten oh, minutes really? to be prepared. Hmm. Well, to follow up on Patty's point. I agree that, that, you know, election deniers, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams, they're all a real threat to democracy. And that's why it's so disturbing to see some of the Democratic propagandists attacking people like Joe O'Day and Secretary of State 
Pam Anderson who stand up to this and are good, responsible Republicans. We want both parties to be responsible. And then when the, 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 Senate, the, the liars uh, on one party falsely paint uh, people like Pam Anderson as being this little, or O'Day as being these little Trump tools, it, it'll make the Republican Party worse in the long run because Republicans will say, look, I'm going to get libeled with this no matter what, even when I do stand up to Trump, so why should I bother to do that? And that, that's, that's also very harmful to democracy. Yeah, we need good candidates. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would just follow up on, on Patty's point in terms of Dominion uh, and their security, noting that the legislature this last year um, had to pass a law that outlawed uh, firearms at your polling location. That wasn't on the books. Now there's a 100-foot rule um, that prohibits uh, firearms inside a polling location, outside a polling location, just like there's um, a prohibition on uh, campaigning outside of a polling location. And so mm. we are living in a time right now where poll workers are in legitimate fear and we're having to bring our policy to bear uh, to help that protection meet up to the real world standards that are needed today. I didn't know that that was in place now. All right. Everyone, uh, now it's time for our lightning round that goes through the Colorado highs and lows of the week. As Patty once called it, maybe the spanks and the thanks. Any other ideas for the highs and the lows? What's your first? I would, well, to stay in the theme, I would like to spank all the negative advertising that is so bad. District, Congressional District 8, the new CD district, might be the very, very worst on both sides. So both Caraballo and Kirk Meyer, and I don't think they're their campaigns. You've got other dark money doing them, although theirs haven't been exactly sweet. But it is so ugly, you are almost scared to turn on TV. And I have to say the O'Day, anti-O'Day ads are pretty close, too. I think we would all agree on that. <laughs> Not on the, but on all the ads. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Well, the Denver Public Schools announced that they are going to be unifying various schools, which means they're going to be shutting down a whole bunch because families are fleeing the Denver Public Schools because those schools are failures. The National Association of Education Progress report came out and it said, for example, in the DPS, only one in 10 eighth graders can convert a decimal to a fraction that you can tell like 0.75 equals three quarters. One in 10. That is a disaster. And our incompetent Denver Public School Board is run by the hierarchy of the teachers union to the great detriment of students and of good teachers. Yep. Okay. We Education is an issue. It, it always is an issue. Um, you know, Kyle, I'm probably the one person who loves negative ads. I think they're great. <laughs> well, I, I think about negative ads like I think about restaurant ratings. When you hear about uh, a restaurant that had uh, gave one of your friends food poisoning, you know never to go back there. It sticks in your mind yeah. better than um, any other res restaurant recommendation uh, that's a positive one out there. They're out there for a reason because they work. And so, uh, you know, for us political junkies, I can't wait to see the next negative ad um, just for pure entertainment purposes. But I know I'm in the minority for that, for that one, maybe yeah. for professional reasons. Um, just in terms of uh, a disgrace of the week or, or something bad that's going on, it is that time of year. It's daylight savings time. Can't we just get rid of this? I'm, I'm sick and tired of going to and from work uh, in the dark. It's, it, let's bring the light to the darkness. It's time to end this archaic practice. Corporate bashing. Corporate bashing is a pet peeve of mine. Uh, people uh, 
bashing um, mega corporations, out of state corporations. Uh, corporations, uh, they, they make the things we need at a price we can afford, whether it's soap or cars or houses or jobs or 401ks. I think it's very cynical in politics, and I'm particularly concerned that. Uh, bashing corporations, uh, the effect it has on younger voters, that something should be voted against be just because a corporation profits from it. Okay, good to think about. Um, all right, let's be happy. Let's think of something that's a highlight, something positive that happened in Colorado this week, or is still happening. Well, one of the reasons we like living in Colorado is because of the environment and how much attention is paid to it. And we really didn't get a chance here to talk about how the great sand, sand dunes have been expanded recently with, by the Department of the Interior. And just yesterday, I think, Polis announced that Fisher's Peak, which became a new state park about three years ago, they're going to expand it with new trails. And it's a great boon for the area in southern Colorado and Trinidad. And it's a beautiful spot. Okay. Well, as they say, it is a privilege to live in Colorado, and you, to confirm that, you can just look at the Senate races in Georgia and Pennsylvania, where all four of the candidates are so terrible, each in their own special way, all of them completely morally unfit to hold a public trust. No reasonable person would buy a used car from any of them. I think it would be better for Pennsylvania and Georgia to say, actually, we're just going to give one of our votes to O'Day and one of them uh, to Bennett, and that would much improve the quality of the Senate compared to any of those four uh, who might win it from those states. Okay. All right. You agree on something. All that's right. great. That's uh, a positive. That, that's a positive. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things I, I do uh, want to give a shout out is those those election workers that Patty and Kyle that you were talking about. Um, there's been a great outreach for our uh, to our senior population, but also to our uh, younger voters, to uh, college students who are are for the first time having a special outreach uh, to try and get them to work on election day. It's working, and, and especially in some of our college towns. I think an additional part of that is that we have pre-registration to vote for our uh, for those who are just under the age of 18, and so they're able to access the system and um, a little bit earlier. And so I'm I'm happy and proud and enthusiastic that we have enough poll workers to be uh, delivering a safe and secure vote this year. That is good. That is good. Uh, the Denver County Republican Party sent an email, a very lengthy email, detailed email to volunteer poll watchers. Uh, which was at the at the end concluded with thank you for all you're doing to preserve the election integrity we have here. So I just want everyone to know, when Republicans are talking about them among themselves, there's nothing about rigged optical scanners or malfeasance or uh, you know we're very we're mature in a lot of ways in Colorado with respect to voting by mail. You know, county clerks as as early as the late 90s had the discretion during odd year elections to run mail battle elections. So we've been voting by mail for a long time here. So it's encouraging to me that uh, Denver Republicans wouldn't uh, uh, be copying the message of, of Republicans elsewhere about uh, questioning the outcome of elections. That's it, everybody. Thank you, panel, and also all the behind-the-scenes crew, and you, the viewers, for tuning in to Colorado Inside Out. We're here every Friday at 8 o'clock, but you can catch this show anytime on pbs12.org and our YouTube channel. In the meantime, be sure to check out our election coverage with Leaders as Readers and Your Decision 2022 on PBS 12 and our website, pbs12.org. And we welcome your thoughts and ideas, so reach out to us on our social media pages or email us at cio at pbs12.org. I'm Kyle Dyer. Thank you for watching Colorado Inside Out. I will see you next week here on PBS 12.